And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we take a look at the things of this world through a biblical perspective. I'm Son Edom. Joining me, as always, is Dan Delzell. Dan is a pastor at church in Papillion, Nebraska, and an author at the Christian Post. And, and Dan, the biggest buzz going on right now is the Christmas star, as people are calling it. It's the coming together of Jupiter and Saturn. I guess technically it's called the conjunction. And they are so close together that it appears as it's one big star that's bright in the sky. And it happened as of this conversation last night. It's going to happen tonight and again tomorrow night. But the, but the idea of this Christmas star that people are calling it, where you have this one bright star in the West, because out here at least, uh, when we look at it, it's in the, it's in the Western sky pretty much. So depending on where you're at, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, it might vary in the sky, but it's very, very kind of, uh, telling that here in 2020, the year has been so bad for most everybody, unless you're Jeff Bezos, um, that you're at this particular time at Christmas, we kind of get a reminder of what the first Christmas was like and the Magi of the wise men coming from the east, following the star to where Jesus is. And I just thought it was cool that this is happening this particular year. I guess the last time it happened was like 800 years ago. But at this particular time, at this particular year, after the kind of year we've had, and to have it Christmas week, I just find it kind of an amazing reminder of what we should be focusing on. And maybe it's not so coincidental. I don't want to speculate too much and get crazy in these uh, weird theologies. But maybe it's not too coincidental that God decided at this particular time that this thing should come together to remind us all that he is still here that we should be focusing on him, and that now, at the season of his birth, it should remind us all that maybe we need to really rely on him more than we do on these politicians that have supposedly been our savior now and given us $600 in checks, or you know the new president-elect that's supposed to be like the savior of the world coming in to rescue us from all this doom and gloom. But we should be focusing on who Jesus is, and maybe an opportunity, too, for us to be able to share the Christmas story, actually using a visual aid that's actually right there in the sky to share the birth of Jesus and share the Christmas story that ultimately leads to the Easter story, which ultimately leads to salvation and eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, Sam, I think that's a a wonderful thought and a great idea um, to use what God has placed in the sky, uh, as you say, at this exact time to use that event to talk about, you know, what happened 2,000 years ago when, uh, as Matthew 2 uh, tells us, uh, the wise men said, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Uh, so I, I think that um, everything you said, Son, is, is uh, what God has done by doing it at this time. It's not an accident. Um, you know, the Lord is in charge of the heavens. Uh, the Lord is uh, sovereign overall, and to me, it's a reminder that even with something as global and as consequential as COVID, uh, and then when we hear of you know another strain of COVID now in the UK and London on lockdown, and you know, I mean, you, you just start to wonder. I mean, you know, is is there going to be an end in sight to this thing? Um, but then, seemingly out of nowhere, um, we have this event, and it does point to the fact that um, there is a higher power overall, and uh, he um, is someone that you can know. Uh, he is someone who has revealed himself uh, in Scripture. Uh, he is someone who put the stars in place exactly where they're at. I mean, you know, even aside from this, you know, spectacular event now with, with the star and, and the coming together of, of uh, the, this, the, this light that is uh, so bright now, even aside from that, when you look up into the, the sky on a clear night and you look at the, maybe it's the, uh, you know, the big dipper or the little dipper, you, you, you look at things and say, well, now, it doesn't seem like that just would have happened randomly, you know, and it doesn't seem like that would have just happened accidentally. Uh, 
you know, the Lord is in charge of all of it. God designed it all. The heavens declare the glory of God. So I think you're right, Simon. I think this is a great, uh, a great time now, uh, especially in the midst of the year we've just been through, to point to our higher power and to say the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's not one of many gods. He's the only God, and he's the true God. And there are other uh, pretenders, but there's only one who put the stars in place. There's only one that the Magi, the, the wise men, were coming to worship as they saw the star in the east. And to me, it's also a reminder, Sam, that while things on earth here are always in flux, and there is life and death, and there is disease and sickness, and uh, there are pandemics and war, and there's cancer. Um, when you get up to a certain level, you know, when you get out there to uh, outer space, when you get into the galaxies, um, you, you start to see that, that those things are, are at a different level than what we experience here. And then imagine going to that next level beyond that, uh, to what Paul described as the third heaven. Uh, that he was able to experience, you know, whether it was in the body or out of the body. But but he experienced what he called the third heaven. The first heaven being the sky that we see. Um, you know, the, the second heaven being outer space there, um, beyond just, you know, our, our atmosphere here, out into outer space. And then the third heaven being actual uh, heaven itself, you know, God's eternal kingdom. So, to me, the, the star now, this coming together, uh, this bright light, to me it points to uh, the Savior of the world, to our Creator, uh, and who, who the Bible refers to as the bright morning star, the bright morning star. And, and so we hope and pray so that many here at Christmas will take advantage of this, um, just this beautiful event that God has brought about and look for a deeper meaning. Then just, wow, you know, um, hasn't happened in 800 years, uh, you know, and, and just to look at it, you know, from, you know, let's say the viewpoint of astronomy, uh, how about looking at it from the viewpoint of theology, uh, looking at it from the viewpoint of scripture, looking at it from the viewpoint of who put the stars in place, who created the planet, um, who causes them to move the way that they move, um, who created black holes out in the universe. Um, you know, all of these things were created by God, but, but he loves each one of us so much more than, than any of those and all of those stars. You know, he didn't send his son to die for the planets. They didn't need uh, a savior, uh, but we did. And, and that's why Christ was born in Bethlehem. And, and uh, boy, if there ever was a year, son, at least in recent memory, you know, uh, that we needed, uh, needed this to happen at Christmas time, I'd say this was the year. And, and um, there's no excuse. You know, in fact, in Romans, you know, it says men are without excuse when, when they, um, you know, claim this or that about God because God has revealed himself to us, you know, in the heavens. And so there's no excuse if, if somebody is going to try to say, you know, I, I don't believe in God and, 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 you know, I don't believe in Christ. Well, um, one day you'll stand before him. And that's why it's important you meet him today. Uh, because you'd far rather stand before him with him as your savior than him as your judge. Um, and really, as your prosecuting attorney, uh, wouldn't you rather have him as your defend, uh, defending attorney? Wouldn't you rather have him as the one standing by your side to assure your eternal life in heaven? You can. But if you reject him, then he'll be your judge, be your prosecuting attorney. Your sin will condemn you. For all of eternity, but that doesn't have to happen, my friend. Look to the star in the sky, but let that lead you, more importantly, to the bright morning star. Make him your Savior this Christmas. Turn to him as your Lord, and that's the meaning of life. That's the meaning of eternity, and, and we, can thank son, we can thank the Lord, Son, for, uh, uh, for um, what he's doing to point people to him uh, in these days in which we live. Yeah, Psalm 19, you know, talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. I think that's what we're seeing right now is kind of that, you know, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. I remember um, hearing somewhere 
that, you know, we look at the zodiacs, you know, the constellations, and people will always be talking about their astrology sign. Okay. If you're Aquarius, then you have these character traits. If you're Virgo, you have these character, uh, uh, you know, character traits. If you're Cancer, you have these character traits. And then, you know, whatever goes from there. And I find it interesting because it seems like everything that God has designed, we kind of, as society, as humans, we kind of corrupt. And what I mean by that is this, okay? We look at Christmas, and Christmas really is the, the sole purpose of Christmas is Jesus being born. But yet we have right. all these other things that go along with Christmas. You know, you've got uh, Santa Claus, for example, gift-giving, things like that, okay? Um, and sure, some of it might derive from Christian principles. Some of it might derive from, you know, pagan celebrations. But, you know, again, we kind of dilute the message and we focus on gift giving and things like that. Uh, Christmas carols or movies, you know, arguments over whether this movie is a Christmas uh, movie or not. Um, and then you think about Easter. And then, you know, it's the, it's the crucifixion and the resurrection. But yet somehow we have an Easter bunny in there giving away Cadbury eggs. Um, we do oh, Easter egg hunts, you know, that's stuff. I don't really want to criticize it because I know a lot of people enjoy it and it's festive and it's, you know, celebratory and churches do it. But, you know, we start to kind of dilute things. And I remember now, um, thinking back, there was a sermon or a message or maybe somebody in the, in the course of my radio career that we talked to that was telling us about the zodiac impressions. Like, for example, they were saying that, you know, when the heavens reveal the glory of God and the message of God and the heavens, you know, you talk about like Virgo, for example, and they were saying it's like of the Virgin, which is referring to the Virgin Mary. And then you start getting into like the lion, Leo, the lion, you know, he's like the king. And then you have like, I think it was like uh, the bull, whichever one's the bull, I don't know, um, is re- represents the resurrection. And we start looking at the um, the constellations, the stars, it starts to come together and you put this kind of biblical story together through the stars and it kind of makes you wonder if there's some validity to that because that's what the Bible talks about. And like you said, there is a purpose and a reason for these constellations to be up in the sky in the form that they're in. And in that form, then you have these images, and then these images can correlate. And um, I just thought it was kind of fascinating. Whether true or not, I don't know. But I found it fascinating that, you know, here, instead of focusing on, you know, okay, I'm a Virgo, so therefore I'm wacky, nutty, I can't hang out with Sagittariuses, but my best friends are Cancers. Instead of all that mumbo-jumbo, you can talk about, hey, you know, there's the lion, Leo. You know, that represents the king. The king is God. You know, he created all of this. And then you have, you know, maybe something else that's up there that represents another facet of creation, you know. And um, I don't know, I just kind of, kind of thought it was fascinating. It kind of brought home a little bit more to that meaning of the heavens declare the glory of God, you know. And, and at night we see the knowledge of what the Bible has to say, and it's all out there. Um, just like we look in other areas of creation, and we see the creation of God in, you know, the beauty of everything around us. Um, and I just thought that was kind of fascinating. I don't know if you've ever come across anything like that or had any uh, experience delving into that, but um, I just thought it was kind of a unique perspective to look at the heavens and the stars. And now as we see this Christmas star, basically, you know, the explanation is you've got Saturn and Jupiter coming together, which is a cosmic event, but how people are now kind of translating it to the Christmas star and hoping then that becomes a message that people can look to to be like, hey, this is about Christmas. This is about Jesus's birth, which ultimately leads to right. the crucifixion, which ultimately leads to the resurrection, which ultimately then leads to our forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven. Yeah, you know, son, as I have um, thought about, you know, any of that over the years, the thing that has always struck me is how many people have been caught up with reading their their horoscope and in in just truly believing that somehow the stars and the alignment of the stars and and the month in which you're born and the message there that that uh, astrology would would seek to offer you um, that, that that people have been so uh, wanting to have a message that they can rely on that came from outside of them and from somewhere in the universe. And I think it's a very uh, seductive, uh, very appealing type of um, really magic, if you want to call it that, 
whereby people are relying on, um, you know, this, this message from the stars rather than the, the very clear message that the creator of the stars has, has given to man in his word. And, you know, Satan always tries to counterfeit what God does, and he often uses things that God has created, and then he tries to turn it into something that will point man away from the Lord himself. I mean, uh, you know, uh, on a whole different topic, but it's a similar kind of, of, uh, you know, uh, demonic approach. You know, it's been interesting how, you know, this time of year, so much attention is placed on the Virgin Mary. And my goodness, what a noble young woman she was. What an incredible young woman. I mean, the, and the, the Lord would choose her uh, to be, um, you know, his mother, uh, the mother of our Lord, you know. So there's no question that, um, you know, we hold her in, in high esteem. I mean, we certainly don't believe that she was without sin. She wasn't, you know, perfect in that sense, but certainly, a, obviously, a very noble woman. Um, but, but, you know, what Satan does then is he takes something like that and he just twists it a little bit. And, and then he tries to get people, um, rather than celebrating as much, you know, fully with, uh, the son that she gave birth to, that we, we, we need to put more emphasis on Mary herself. Kind of like, you know, Satan's trick to put more emphasis on, on the stars you know, in the sky and maybe the message that they have for you rather than the message that God has for you uh, or the things that Mary can do for you as compared with the things that Jesus can do for you. And and, and this is why, um, you know, in some circles of Roman Catholicism, I mean, you know, they make no bones about the fact that, you know, they, they view Mary as a co-redeemer. Um, and this always seems to boggle the mind of, of Christians around the world, you know, those who are not Catholic. It's like, why in the world would you fall for something like that? Um, why would you think that you could pray to Mary, um, as, as many are taught, you know, if you want to get to Jesus, you, gotta, you know, really go through her son. You know, we understand the Bible to say to get to the Father, you have to go through the Son. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to get to the Son, you have to go through the Mother. And yet this is essentially what Catholicism has brought into its own system of doctrines and theology. And it's very sad. It's very tragic. Um, it, it's very deceptive of Satan to turn the spotlight on Mary beyond just what the Bible does. I mean, the Bible, you know, certainly shines a light on Mary. Uh, the Bible certainly um, puts her, just like with John the Baptist, you know, in a very noble spot. But, I mean, if, if Catholicism is going to worship and go through Mary, they might as well go through John the Baptist. They might as well go through all sorts of other Christians. And then you say, wait a minute, isn't that kind of what they do when they pray to the saints? Isn't that kind of, you know, it's like, you know, Jesus doesn't seem to be enough. Um, and, 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 this is, and then it really plays out in terms of their salvation. Because, um, and again, this is not to be critical of Catholics themselves, many of whom, you know, obviously, uh, you know, love the Lord and follow the Lord. But some of their teachers, just like some of the Jewish teachers in the Bible, some of their teachers um, follow tradition more than they follow scripture. And the proof of that is when they start encouraging people to pray to Mary or pray to the saints, you know, or pray the rosary. Um, I wrote an article years ago entitled Praying to the Departed conjures uh dark angels and and so if you want to conjure up demons then start praying to dead people uh start praying to mary start praying to other saints if you want to be filled with the holy spirit pray only to jesus pray only to the father the son and the holy spirit three persons in one god so it's a very subtle thing um and and yet it's a very dangerous dangerous practice uh, to um, to turn Mary now somehow into this mediator, um, in, into this one, you know, Mary, you know, full of grace, where she is seen to be able to give you grace. 
Mary has never given any believer, any Christian throughout history, an ounce of grace. You say, wait a minute. There have been many who prayed to Mary. They've experienced something. Yes, they have. But it hasn't been God's grace. You don't get grace through Mary. You don't get grace through St. Peter. You know, you, you, you don't get grace through these, these saints who've died. You get grace through the Lord himself. This is not a minor point. And this perhaps explains why you don't hear the Pope stand up and proclaim what Billy Graham proclaimed year after year after year after year, or Franklin Graham, or, you know, millions of other Christians. You don't hear the Pope proclaim that. Why? Because he's an evil man? No. Because their system of tradition, in some ways, is like the, the, the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day. It was focused on tradition, on these little rules, on these things that, that, that God never said would bring grace. And, and, and yet, you know, as I say, there are many in the Catholic Church who know the Lord and love the Lord and have been able to somehow, um, you know, maintain a spiritual life in spite of that. But, um, you know, one thing a person should be sure of is that praying to Mary or any of the saints never does your soul a bit of good. All it does is it gets you addicted to that sort of, I would say, occultic prayer. Magical prayer, not not biblical prayer. Praying to Mary is, is, is more of a magical, you know, thing. Uh, almost like these apparitions of Mary. That's not Mary that people are seeing. Oh, it, it looks like Mary. You know, it may look like, not that any of us know what she looked like exactly, but, you know, it may look like a woman who, who, who we assume is Mary. But, but apparitions, um, you know, are not something that you can trust. Uh, Satan is a counterfeiter. Um, Satan's goal is to get people to grasp anything but the cross, anything but Christ's blood that was shed for us, anything but God himself. And if Satan can get you all excited about the stars, all excited about your horoscope, all excited about Mary, your mediator to Jesus, um, well, um, that's a that's a detour. Uh, that's a very, very dangerous roadblock. And um, it, it actually prevents people from knowing the true God if they look to Mary in some way to save their soul. Because, you know, sometimes she just simply doesn't have that kind of power. Um, she was a good woman, a great woman, a noble woman, a chosen woman, you know, but, but not a woman who has the power to dispense an ounce of grace to anyone who may call upon her. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's amazing here, Dan, as we, you know, take a look at some of these issues that it seems like it would be crystal clear for someone to be able to see the truth. But yet we still get this clouded vision, you know, like, for example, me, um, if I look at something other than like praying to anything else other than mm-hmm. God, you know, to me, mm-hmm. it's perfectly clear that nothing is going to happen. You look at the, you know, the Old Testament and look at all the the idols, you know, that they worshiped. And, right. You know, what right. was it? Moses right. goes up uh to the mount to get the 10 commandments and when he comes back, you know, there's idols, mm-hmm. idol worshiping going yeah. on. You know, even even something like that. Yeah. Um and it makes yeah. you wonder it's like yeah. how does how do people get so confused? And that's why I brought yeah. up the um the the thing before the the comment before you know we look at Christmas and then we get so blinded by all the other stuff and it's like this haze comes over our eyes and we can't focus on the birth of Jesus but we need the presents and we need the stress of the holidays and we have to make sure we get the right foods and the the eggnog and all this and then Easter we have to throw in an Easter bunny which makes no sense whatsoever because an Easter bunny doesn't lay eggs or an Easter you know an egg, a rabbit doesn't lay eggs and so I don't know how that correlated came in there and then you've got you know even other things that we just kind of you know throw in these worldly things and obviously it's Satan, you know, confusing us and blinding us, but it's like it should be crystal clear for us to say, you know what, Christmas is about Jesus being born. Yes, we celebrate, we give gifts, we do all that other stuff that's a part of it and that's fun and that's a part of the festivities. But a lot of people focus on that over the actual birth of Jesus. Or people will focus on other things, like you said, you know, whether it's worshiping idols or praying to something else or praying, you know, to a to a statue or you know, anything else, and it just like doesn't make sense that people can no. be so blinded um or confused or strayed or drawn away from seeing the truth. Right. You know, and sometimes it's just like blows yeah. my mind. 
Yeah, it, it, it is. It's very bizarre. And, you know, one thing that I think helps us, Klon, to kind of wrap our mind around it a little bit is if we look, for example, like what was going on with the Christians in Galatia who had been given the gospel. But the book of Galatians was written by Paul to, to people who were coming under false teaching. Uh, the Judaizers had infiltrated their ranks and were teaching that unless you're circumcised, you're not really saved. So they were adding works to the gospel. They were teaching a legalistic message. And, and notice what Paul says to them in Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians. And then notice this phrase. Who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was clearly per, uh, portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Uh, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Now, that, that, that question, though, who has bewitched you? What that points to, Son, is this. And it addresses your, your uh, excellent question a moment ago. Like, how could somebody not see it? When you come under a spell, that's right, a spell. Uh, spells aren't just something that may be on television shows and little, you know, playful things that, that, that people maybe cast. Um, spells, many spells are real. Um, and when a person comes under a spell, in this case, in, in Galatia, um, it clouded their mind. Legalism brings a spell. False teaching by false teachers um, can put a person under a spell. You know, it, it sounds very mysterious and mystical and, and magical, and, and, and those elements are involved with it. But, but at its core, what it is, is that it clouds your spiritual discernment. And to use the, the, you know, the name of this, of this program is it interrupts whatever sanctified reasoning um, you were experiencing by the Holy Spirit. It, it interrupts that. And, and, and instead, it gives you a counterfeit message. Um, again, let, let's go to the stars. So the horoscope, the astrology presents a counterfeit message. And what happens, on is when people believe a counterfeit spiritual message, now, a counterfeit spiritual message, um, then that's when people tend to come under a spell and then they, they become like glossy eyed. And, and I'll give you uh, an example. I mean, in all my years of, of talking at times with maybe someone who's a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, um, virtually every one of them I talk to, once we get into spiritual matters, it's like a, a, you know, it's just like there's this gloss over their eyes. Um, they're not taught the gospel by their organization. Doesn't mean they're not nice people. They're very nice people. But neither one of their organizations has the gospel. They've added to the gospel. And this is why Christian denominations do not recognize them as Christian. It's not because Christians don't want to be mean to Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. It's not because Christians don't want to have friendships with Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. It's that Christians cannot in good conscience accept a counterfeit message that denies the gospel and adds works to the message. This is why Paul wrote, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? So I, I, I'm afraid, son, there are many uh, Catholics who, by believing that Mary can give them grace and then acting on that belief, they put themselves under a spell whereby they, they, they don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, they look at that as being as, as just normal, let's say, as you and I would at, at, at praying to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They look at that as being every bit as proper, if not more so. Um, but that's, that's being put under a spell. And so the message itself, and, you know, the Bible talks about doctrines of demons. Um, the message itself, when it's a counterfeit message, a counterfeit gospel, um, it brings with it this, this spell, which just simply is a, is a way of saying um, your mind and your spirit become so clouded that you, you don't see, um, you don't see the gospel. You, you are, you are so, um, ensnared by this, by this. And that's why Paul said, who has bewitched you? Um, that was not, uh, a mistake. Paul recognized, um, you know, there's this spirit of witchcraft that has been in the world ever since, you know, Satan, you know, fell in the garden. There has been this spirit of witchcraft, this, this, this spirit of deceit this spirit of wickedness in high places, um, this, this spirit of, 
uh, always trying to counterfeit what God does. And this spirit of making man believe that he can control his own future, either by following his horoscope exactly right or by casting spells or, or by following some magical formula. And then Christianity comes along and says, hey, you know, magic, that's, that's way down. That, that's way down there. Uh, that, that's associated with, with worldliness. Um, let, let's move up to true revelation. Let's move up to the gospel. And, and one of the things we have with the gospel, Son, is we're not told by God we have to go out and try and control our future. Uh, we're told to rely upon the Lord, to depend upon the Lord. Um, uh, and certainly to pray when we, when we desire God to, to do something, and we can pray for things to change or things to happen. But, but Christianity is very, very different than witchcraft. Witchcraft is, is the opposite of, of what it means to be a Christian. Um, witchcraft and false gospels and, and even praying to Mary, um, that, that has a very, very dark, dark element to it. And the fact, Simon, I'll leave it at this, the fact that the leaders of the Catholic Church don't recognize that simply demonstrates um, how much they've been duped themselves by these dark angels uh, who have convinced them that somehow it's good for people, or maybe they just believe it's good for the organization. I don't know. But, but for whatever, whatever their motive is, the fact that they would pray to marry themselves and teach others to do it shows how deceived they are. And to me, it's just a miracle that anyone in that system comes to know Christ and his grace uh, when they got all the other stuff flying all around. You know, it'd be like if you walk into your Christian church and, you know, you, there's a table there where somebody's trying to get you hooked up on uh, uh uh, your horoscope, and then you come to another table, and, and it's like, hey, you know, come on Thursday, we're going to have a seance, we're going to try to communicate with some dead people, uh, and, then, and then you go down to another table there, and your church is a crystal ball, come on, let's look into your future, um, and, uh, and then you go down to another table, and it's like, here, let's learn how to cast spells on people uh, <laughs> in a church, you know, um, I'm sorry, but there are things in the Catholic Church that are not very different than that, and, but people don't see it when they're under the spell of it. And this is the reality of spiritual light and spiritual darkness in our world. And all back to that light in the sky now, son, that, that, that bright star that God's giving us right now. It's like, folks, wake up. Um, you're not going to find it in that other stuff. You're only going to find it in Jesus. You don't need to add to him. You don't need to add Mary. You don't need to add your horoscope. You don't need to add this. You don't need to add that. You don't need to add witchcraft. Stay away from all of it. I mean, remember Mary as a noble woman, but please don't pray to her. Please don't think she can give you an ounce of grace because she can't. Only Jesus can do that. You know, Dan, the other thing that we've been struggling with this year, obviously, and I see it everywhere, you know, and it's been a crazy year. So I'm sure people are trying to figure it out as we go along too. And, and it's, it's leadership, you know, it's leadership, whether it be politicians, it's leadership, whether it be people in the church, you know, and I know that when you are a leader, people will turn to you for answers or look to you to lead them, you know, what do we do? What's your answer? What's your solution? And I know it's hard for leaders and people in that position to have to try to come up with answers or be the example or do things when they themselves probably don't know what's going on or they themselves might be guessing or they themselves might be trying to figure it out as they go along too. And so we've seen a lot of ups and downs and we've seen a lot of people make some bad decisions and a lot of people say some really dumb things. And we've seen a lot of flip-flopping going back and forth, you know, whether it's masks, no masks, whether it's vaccinations, lockdowns, no vaccinations, no lockdowns. You know, I mean, we see people flip-flopping. And even in the church, you know, you see, I've seen, you know, some of these more kind of politicized, not politicized, but publicized or public figures in the in the church kind of go through some things, say some things, and you kind of pause and be like, wait, what? Um, and even some, you know, religious figures and religious leaders have flip-flopped on on people and concepts and stuff like that. And so you just, it's just been a nutty, nutty world. But the one thing that has always been constant, the one thing that has never changed, and you talk about even other religions, you know, you can look at other religions, how they have changed to adapt to the changing times. You know, you've had religious uh, beliefs from other religions that contain a certain belief, like maybe a certain group of people couldn't belong because they weren't worthy. But then because that was politically incorrect, now they've accepted them. 
and said, oh, yeah, they can right. they can join us. Or you've had people believe a certain thing, like uh, talking about the sky, uh, like, Hale, what was it, Haley's, Hale Bobbitt, you know, hey, the comet was going to come and take us, and then, or Y2K was going to be the doomsday, and so everybody believed that, and then it didn't happen, and so, you know, we changed our mind. So, anyways, the point is, right. people will say things and do things, and they will change. But the one constant right. throughout eternity has been that of what we read about in the Bible. It's nothing yeah. has changed. I mean, people have tried to change no. it. People will yeah. say things and say, oh, this is what the Bible says. But then when you really look at it and read it and study it, you realize that they're wrong. Not the Bible hasn't changed. They've changed their perspective or their interpretation. But it's been constant. And it's the one thing that we can truly rely on in these trying times, in these you know yeah. turbulent times. Nothing has changed. Jesus, the Bible, God, yeah. nothing has changed. It's always the same thing. Yeah. Come to me. If you're burdened, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to me for forgiveness. Come to me at any time. There's no, you know, you don't have to go, uh, to confession on a Sunday. You don't have to, you know, go do this ritual three days a week or three day, three times a day. It's always been the same. It's always been consistent. And that is if you seek God, he's there. If you repent, you're forgiven. And it's very right. simple, too. That's the other thing. It's almost like too simple that people can't grasp the simplicity of it. And I don't want to dismiss right. it too much as being just, you know, watered down. But, yeah, when you say, God, forgive me, he forgives. No question asked. When he says, you know, when you say, you know, God, help, he will help. He will be there for us. He will guide us. He will protect us. It might not always be the rosy picture that we want. But he's always there. Nothing's ever changed the course of time, even though people have tried to do it. And you would think that that would be something that a lot of people would find reassuring, but yet they Mm -hmm. still kind of look to other things first. Now, it's okay to look to other people and other things because naturally we live in a world. If you're in the military, you need your leaders to lead you, you know, your sergeants, your lieutenants, your colonels, your generals. If you're in the church, you need your pastors, maybe your board of directors, if that's what you have, or your elders, you know, you, you have your leadership. But ultimately, you should be relying on God first because he's the one that has never changed and he's the one that has put out there in the Bible what it is that we need to do, should do, could do. And there's no, you know, second guessing it. There's no trying to figure it out. There's no mystery really to the simplicity of the gospel. Yeah, you know, you know, son, like so many times, you know, you're just on the same wavelength as what of, of some things I've been thinking about lately, even this past Sunday, I was sharing that very point with our, our folks at Redeemer in my message on Sunday. Um, you know, when, for example, in Luke 2, it says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, as you say, son, um, that story hasn't changed in 2,000 years, whether that, whether it's uh, been celebrated, you know, um, at the end of a year that experienced a world war or that experienced a pandemic or uh, even that experienced the... Um, just the brutality of dictators like, like Hitler and Stalin. Um, the constant, as you say, Song, is this message of God sending his only son to be our savior. That's exactly the point that I was making, um, you know, when I was, when I was speaking on some of these things on Sunday, uh, be, because we live with so much change and uncertainty. But, but every year, you know, we, we can, we can know that come December 25th, you know, we're going to be celebrating Christ's birth. How can we know that? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as it says in Hebrews 13, 8. Because God's word doesn't change. Because this is, this is history. This is truth. And, son, most importantly, this is an anchor for any soul who will cling to, to Christ. Uh, and to Christ alone, who will trust in Christ, uh, as, as the Bible says, Emmanuel, God with us. So God is with us. Um, God is with us, even during COVID, even during relationship problems and, and job pressures and, and financial problems and health issues. God doesn't change. Christ doesn't change. Um, and this, again, I guess, points out on why it's so tragic. That, that there's so many counterfeits being offered to people. 
rather than just to soak in the Word of God, soak in the Scriptures, meditate upon the Bible, cling to the promises, and just let the truth, let it shine upon you like this, this bright light now in the sky with this event that's going on, how much brighter is the light of Christ in those who believe in him? And it really is on such a simple thing. I mean, God doesn't tell us we have to jump through a bunch of spiritual gymnastics. God doesn't tell us we have to have some sort of theological degree or that we have to have, you know, pass a test and have all, you know, the answers right in terms of, you know, Bible, Bible quiz 101. But what he does call a person to do is to repent and believe the good news to turn away from sin and believe that Christ came into this world to be your savior, uh, to believe that he, he came here to die for your sins, uh, to believe that uh, as um, told by the angel, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And, and so to believe, Son, that, that Jesus is the Son of God, to believe in him as your, as your Savior from sin, uh, to believe that, that he paid the, the price there uh, on the cross for, for your sins, even as it says in Matthew 1, uh, the angel there said uh, to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Okay, so whether it was the people in Galatia that Paul was saying, no, 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 you don't have to be circumcised to be forgiven. Or whether it's people in the Catholic Church, no, 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 you, you shouldn't pray to Mary. You shouldn't pray to the saints and expect an ounce of forgiveness. You shouldn't jump through all these religious hoops and think that's, you know, that, that's the way that you're going to, uh, you know, be, be forgiven. No, uh, forgiveness comes through faith in Christ. Simple, childlike faith in Christ. Um, and once you're forgiven, you're forgiven, and and you're a child of God, and you're going to be imperfect, and some days will go better than others, but you have an eternal inheritance at that point, and now your life is just to be lived for the Lord, not in order to be saved, but because you've been saved. And this son is where religious groups go terribly astray, whether it be Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, whether it be... Uh, you know, let's say a number of folks in the Catholic Church or in other churches, be it, you know, Luther, Methodist, Presbyterian, any church that would add works to salvation and say, um, you have to do this before you can be saved. Um, that is not the gospel. The gospel is that you're saved by grace through faith on the front end of your relationship with God, not after you jump through all these hoops. And, and son, you know, like we said before, you would think that's so simple. How does anyone miss that? How does anyone fall for the lie that your works can somehow be meritorious? In other words, your works can somehow, um, you know, really earn your way. It's impossible. It's impossible. But when you're under a spell, um, then you're, you're, what you're doing, their son is you're clinging to natural religion, man's natural way of thinking. And here's man's natural way of thinking right here, son. They say, well, if I do bad, I'm going to have to do good to make up for it. And if I do a good bit of bad, I'm going to have to do a little bit more of good to make up for it. And as long as that ledger kind of remains somewhat close, then I'll get to heaven and God's going to see all the good things I did and how hard I tried and how much I tried to have my name. Sure, I fell short here, I fell short there, but I tried. I tried my best. And that, that son, is a demonic, um, that's a demonic uh, uh, reliance upon your work. And, and so many people will be tragically um, just horrified when they come to see, you mean God, God wasn't, you know, keeping this record of things that were going to justify me in the end? No, no, no. Christ died to justify you. Christ died on the cross. And if you'll rest in him, you'll be justified. If you'll trust in him, you'll be forgiven. If you rely upon Christ, you'll be saved and redeemed and born again, but only through faith alone only through Christ alone. And you're only going to learn it through scripture alone. So reject the horoscopes, uh, reject the prayers to, to those who've died and, and are not God. You know, don't, don't pray to them. Don't look to them. Don't, uh, don't bury a little statue of St. Joseph in your yard when you're trying to sell your home. Don't rely on magic. Don't rely on little tricks. 
Uh, don't carry a rabbit's foot. Um, you know, don't believe even in good luck. Because, because nowhere does the Bible teach good luck. The Bible teaches that those who rely on Christ are his, and we can trust him. And, and that's not about luck. It's not about magic. It's not about, you know, little, little spells or witchcraft or anything else. And, um, and in the day in which we live, Son, there are so many counterfeits out there. We have to call people back to the simplicity, the simplicity of, of what the Magi saw, that star in the east. And, and if we will follow the, the star in God's word, if we'll follow the gospel, um, if, if we like to imagine, we'll say we've come to worship him, uh, we will find a great treasure, uh, the greatest Christmas gift ever that God left under the cross, the tree there for us as Christ gave his life for us. So, so it is, it's a, it's a great time of year, son, to, um, to spread hope, um, to, uh, uh, to spread encouragement. I was telling you before we went on the podcast today, I had the opportunity here on a warm day in Nebraska to go out and hand out a bunch of the little uh, Our Daily Bread devotionals uh, that they put out uh, for Christmas. They're wonderful, wonderful tools. Uh, uh, you know, uh, to just give those to people and then uh, invite them to, you know, our Christmas Eve service, invite them to our church. Um, you know, this is how um, we can spread the good news, by inviting others inviting them to come in here, inviting them to come and listen, inviting them to be encouraged. And then when they get there, giving them the gospel, not hoops to jump through, um, not, not rituals to perform, but, but just Jesus, just to give people Jesus because he's more than enough. Uh, but, but, but the challenge for many is going to be just relying on him alone and, and to be able to unwind from some of this false teaching that maybe you've been given earlier in life that got you all tied up in knots. And, and in many ways, Son, um, there are many people in churches today who are it's much harder to reach them with the gospel than it is um, maybe somebody who has no religious background in some cases. So, um, you know, the, the spiritual pitfalls out there are real and plenty, but the gospel is more powerful. And, and so this is the message we have. And this is why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew than for the Gentile. And, and so um, that's why we that's why we do what we do. And I'm so thankful, Son, for your podcast, Sanctified Reason, as it, it seeks to lead people into that realm whereby you're not you're not under a spell any longer. Maybe you were, but now you've come out from the spell. Now you're in the realm of the gospel. And now you're seeking to live as a free, forgiven a child of God. And there's no better way to live, Son, that that's for sure. You know, you mentioned the works thing, and um, you know, obviously, it comes to mind is Ephesians two nine or eight and nine, I guess, but uh, verse nine. So, verse eight, for it's by uh, grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, a gift of God. Then, verse nine, not by works that no one can boast. And then you can, you know, drop down to Titus three five. He saved us not by righteous deeds we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of new birth and renewal by the Spirit. And you can go on and on. First Corinthians one twenty nine, so that no man may boast his presence. So there's a lot of verses about that. But here's the other thing, the, yeah. the point that I want to make. Even Santa Claus has a list. And will judge you according. Are you naughty or are you nice? Yeah. So even he's yeah. going to judge you. And if you're naughty, he's not going to pay you any yeah. attention. You get coal in your stocking, right? That's the, the story. Yeah. But if you're nice, yeah. then he brings you presents. Well, see, yeah. that whole thing of Santa is based on your works. And even yeah. then, it disqualifies you from getting a reward if you have been naughty. Jesus, on the other hand. Yeah, that's exactly right. He doesn't care. As long as you repent. He will be there to wash you as white as snow, yeah. and it's instead of and then and it's more important instead of being on Santa's naughty or nice list, it's more important to be on God's list in the Book of Life, so that at the end of the day, yeah. it's not whether you get a present under the tree or coal in your stocking. It's where you hear the words, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter for the kingdom of heaven is yours." Well, that that, that that's right, son. You know, and and what came to my mind when you mentioned Santa Claus. Is, is another um, element within our society where, you know, uh, just like you would assume with Santa, is this going to maybe be a playful thing about, about gifts and so forth and, you know, this, this make-believe character. But then, you know, as you see, kind of gets into um, this, this, uh, this idea that, 
you know, the good people get the gifts, the bad people don't. And it reminded me of, of the, uh, the Masonic Lodge and the rituals they have. And even when they have a funeral for one of their lodge brothers, and my goodness, I mean, if you look at, at the words that are spoken during one of those rituals, and, 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 and how it talks about, you know, how this person here, how his deeds have, have, have gained him entrance into whatever word they use, whether it's a celestial kingdom, whatever they use. I mean, it's very much like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness doctrine and any legalism that points to works as the basis. I mean, it's all around us, son. It's, it's, um, I mean, you know, if you don't get it from Santa Claus, you know, you get it maybe from the church that you attend. Um, and that's, that's why it's so important. To only um, be connected to a church that, that proclaims the gospel, um, a Christian church that proclaims grace, and just like those verses, those beautiful verses you just, you just read, Son, there in Ephesians and Titus, um, we're saved by grace through faith. Now, of course, you know, then people are quick to say, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that because then you think works aren't important. <laughs> well, no, read the whole Bible. Works are incredibly important. Um, you're never going to have salvation without good works following. I mean, they will always follow uh, your, your salvation. Um, you know, Jesus said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And, and uh, you know, Romans talks about the obedience that comes from faith. Uh, you know, uh, Martin Luther said, you know, you don't have to tell an apple tree to produce apples. It just does. And, 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 and you know, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So the fact that a genuine tree produces good fruit does not, therefore, mean that the fruit is what, you know, qualifies it to be a tree. That's just merely the evidence that the tree is alive. Uh, it didn't make the tree come alive. It's the fruit of being alive. And, and so works don't make a Christian come alive. Or, or as we saw in Galatians, what did, what did Paul say? He said, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? or by believing what you heard, okay? So the Holy Spirit comes when we believe the gospel, not when we do, do, do. The doing comes after conversion, after you're saved, redeemed, born again, justified, and forgiven. And, and we cannot make too much of this point, son. It's, it's critical um, because if, 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 you, if you don't get it right on the front end, you don't have a relationship with God. All you have is uh, works righteousness. All you have is man's best at. You have a Santa Claus religion. Uh, well, I'm doing my best. And sadly, son, just to show you how many people, sadly, tragically, are under the spell, ask a hundred people, why do you think you would get into heaven today if, if you think you would? Why? Uh, what would be the basis of you getting into heaven if you died today? And sadly, son, a large percentage of those people would say something like, well, you know, I'm trying my best, or I hope I've done enough, or I'm trying to do good, or I'm trying to love my neighbor, or, I'm trying to obey the Ten Commandments, or this or that. And all of that is works, righteous, natural religion. It has nothing to do with the gospel. And, and there's no sign that a person who believes that is saved. It, you know, they're not, you're not a Christian by, by that. You're a Christ, you become a Christian by faith in Christ, not faith in natural man's religion not faith in what, what we assume would be the way to get into heaven. Um, you know, I, I've used the example uh, in the past of, of, the, of the movie Meet Joe Black, where uh, Anthony Hopkins is like this really, um, you know, big-wig uh, corporate guy who's uh, going to be leaving this world. And, um, and so uh, Joe Black uh, has, has come now and... Uh, uh, Brad Pitt plays this, he's basically an angel, for, you know, who's come to, to take um, the Anthony Hopkins uh, character from this life. And so it all plays out and everything. And, uh, and then it gets to the end of the movie and they're standing on this hill after this big party that was thrown for Anthony Hopkins. And they're up on top of the hill. They're getting ready to go over the hill into, you know, his eternity. And Anthony Hopkins asked uh, Joe Black, you know, the Brad Pitt, he asked him, he says, hey, um, should I be afraid? Uh, you know, basically, should I be afraid of where I'm going? And, and, and Joe Black gives him man's religion. He says, oh, no, not, not a man like you. I mean, you know, it, it's classic, um, works righteous. You know, everybody who tries hard, 
um, will get to heaven if they're if they're if they have some sort of noble character, you know, if they're if they're you know moral enough. Um, but there's no need in that system for the blood of Jesus. There's no need in that system for the cross because in that system, all you need are your best efforts. And then the Bible comes along and says, well, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So a person has to decide, thought, do I become righteous in God's eyes by my deeds or by Christ's death on my behalf? You have to choose. And if you choose to trust in Christ's death as, your, as the basis of your righteousness, you get in. You get forgiven. You, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you through faith. If you choose man's religion, you remain on the outside. Like, like those that Jesus said um, on the last day, depart from me, I never knew you. And, and what do they say to him? Sign, well, but Lord, we did this, we did this, we did this, we tried this, we even did this in your name. But it was all works they were doing. Son. They, were, they were trying to earn their way. Now, one of those people in that passage, son, say, but Lord, we trust in your blood to forgive us. We trusted in your death. We trusted that you were the resurrection and the life. Not one of them said that, son. It was, oh, we did this, we did this, we did this. And so, my friend, if you're listening to this and you've ever had doubts about whether you're saved or not, don't strive to do harder, to do more, to work harder, to shore up your salvation. Instead, look more, um, more uh, focused, in a more focused way, and trust in the cross. Look away from your deeds. Don't look at anything you've done, good or bad. Look only at the cross. Don't use anything you've done as the basis for your condemnation or your salvation. That's a key to being saved. Don't look at anything you've done as a basis for your condemnation or your salvation. I mean, if left alone, certainly you have plenty of things that would condemn you. But don't focus on that. Focus on the one who died for your sins. You're not going to be condemned if. Christ is covering you. And that's why he came to Bethlehem, my friend. And so trust in him. Believe in him. Stop trying to earn it and just receive the gift that's under the tree. Unwrap it by faith. And then go and work to your heart's content. Work, you know, all day long for the Lord. He wants us to do that. But only after we've opened the gift. And this is why, son, I'll ask, you know, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, if, when if I start talking about, hey, what did you receive on the front end of your salvation? Because I know what they've been taught. They don't have an answer for that question. They don't know. I mean, they don't look, they're, they're not taught that they received anything on the front end. They're taught they have to strive and work and work and strive and do more. And, and hopefully one day you'll do enough. That's not the gospel. Um, God loves them, but their teachers are false prophets. Um, you know, Joseph Smith was a false prophet. Um, you know, every teacher of the Jehovah's Witness Church is a false prophet. Every, every teacher who proclaims a different gospel, Paul said, is not a true messenger of God, but a false prophet. And, and there are plenty of those in, in our world. And, um, but, uh, thankfully, son, we have the scriptures, uh, we have the truth. And now it's up to us to, to call on the Lord and, and only go by what the Word says, not by, you know, what, what man says. Yeah, you know, Dan, as we wrap up here, it's, 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 it's interesting as you were talking that it really comes down to, you know, kind of a Santa Claus versus Jesus mentality. Is it works mm-hmm. and the works that we have to prove ourselves? And is that what we're going to trust and put our faith in and something like that, or is it going to be Jesus where all we have to do is accept, believe, repent, and he's done all of it, and he will never leave us, never forsake us. And so it just kind of brings even more emphasis onto the importance of Jesus, the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, and how that should be our focus, because um, after all, anything else, you know, is is not even worth it. Anything else is just all in vain, and it really is well, a... That, that's it. Yeah, it really is a a, a thing, uh, like a, a, a line in the sand, as they say, about what do you want to believe? Do you want to believe the gospel, or do you want to believe something yeah. else? And it's truly right there. It's Santa or Jesus. Which yeah. would you yeah. prefer? Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and the thought I just had thought as you were sharing that is, you know, for the listener, picture yourself getting ready to stand before God on Judgment Day and, and not having any clothing on. And you don't want to go before the Lord, you know, naked. 
So now over here, there's a rack, and there are two robes on the rack. One is a robe, multicolored robe, and it, it, it patches together, all sewn together, of all the things you've done in your life that you've tried to do the right thing. And that whole robe has all these different patches from, you know, helping others to maybe your church attendance to whatever, you know. It, and, and then next to that is a white robe. And the white robe says, you know, Christ's righteousness, um, earned for you by his death and by the blood he shed. And what if you could only put on one of those robes? What if you could only wear one and go stand before God? Which one would you put on? And, and, and the only Christian robe song is, is the robe of Christ's righteousness. And that's what the Lord is inviting people to put on today. Put on Christ, as the Bible says. Trust in him as your Savior. And uh, what a beautiful thing that is. Dan Delzell, pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska, also an author at the Christian Post. If you want to find out more about his writings, you can just go to the uh, christianpost.com, type in his name in the search bar, and all his articles pop up. Uh, Dan, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, also want to uh, wish you a uh, happy anniversary. Got a monumental anniversary yeah. coming up, along with Christmas and New Year's, the holiday season, yeah. so extra special. So uh, happy anniversary, yeah. Merry Christmas, and uh, we look forward Thank to talking you, to you uh, again. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it, Son. Yeah, tomorrow my wife and I celebrate our 30th anniversary. We're so blessed and uh, so thankful that our, our four kids, all in their 20s, they all you know, know the Lord, follow the Lord uh, by, by God's grace, and uh, we're just looking forward to celebrating Christmas, and, and so... Uh, blessings to you, son, and, and your family here at Christmas time as well. And, uh, um, yeah, it's just great to talk to you today about all these important matters. And, and we'll look forward to many more wonderful times in, uh, in, uh, 2021 as we, uh, dive into these topics and, and, uh, and try to keep, uh, you know, promoting, uh, the sanctified reason that God gives us to the Holy Spirit's, uh, revelation in the Word of God. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And uh, again, Dan, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And for those of you listening, have a Merry Christmas. And uh, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. This has been Sanctified Reason. And until next time, God bless.